Well, hello and welcome to this uh, small mini podcast from Jazz Community Church, where we're going to be having a little think about uh, the vision behind Jazz Community Church and where in 2019, where God uh, might be leading us in the coming weeks, months and years. My name is Adam. I'm the pastor of Jazz Community Church and I'm really pleased that you have tuned in or downloaded or whatever the term is um, to this podcast today. And uh, over the next few episodes, I'll be taking you through some of the core ideas behind uh, Jazz Community Church, the core kind of concepts and the things which drive us as a church. And uh, we're going to be hearing from others as well who are uh, in different ways a part of our community to to speak into and continue this ongoing conversation about where God might be leading us. So today, the first one in this little series of podcasts, which is connected to a teaching series that we've been going through on Sunday afternoons at Jazz Community Church. And this first one is looking at the idea of spirit beyond words. So just to say before we uh, kick off with that, uh, as Jazz Community Church, we gather for worship every week on Sunday afternoons, four o'clock at uh, Cambridge Road Church in Kings Heath in Birmingham. We uh, we would love uh, to see you there sometime if you're um, passing through or if you're local and would like to join us um, and come on this exciting journey with us, then you would be most welcome indeed. So I want to uh, begin with a reading from uh, the Old Testament, the Hebrew Bible, uh, from the book of Exodus, chapter 3, reading from verse 1. This is called Moses and the Burning Bush. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight. Why does the bush not burn up? When Moses, uh, when, when the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, uh, God talk, called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, Here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers and I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land into a good and spacious land. A land flowing with milk and honey. The home of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites... Perizzites, Hivites and Jeshubites. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go, I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, 
the Israelites out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God said, I will be with you, and this will be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. Moses said to God, Suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, What is his name? Then what shall I tell them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. So I've got uh, a little son um, and he's just starting uh, to learn to walk. Exciting time for uh, for me as a dad. And uh, he's got one of these walkers, you know, these kind of um, little trolleys with wheels um, that he likes to sort of push around. And um, it's a really good way to get him started uh, with walking. And he's pretty confident now at pushing that that round. But um, at home, there's a bit of, a, of an issue that when uh, he's sort of pushing it forward, he'll often kind of hit something, whether that's a, a sofa or uh, somebody else or um, some toys or, or whatever. And he sort of pushes the walker into whatever the thing is and then will kind of shake it backwards and forwards a little bit to try and sort of resolve the issue and um, obviously doesn't isn't always successful in that and uh, sometimes what you need to do and uh, what what I need to do is is to adjust the trajectory a little bit and and often if I'm uh, sort of there when he's using the walker you can kind of set him on the right trajectory so there's like it will sort of feed through a gap between a couple of bits of furniture and then the trajectory needs adjusting again and uh, he'll go round into the kitchen and then again and he'll sort of head down uh, the kitchen and um, will be as it were on the on the open road as I like to call it but I think for us um, at this time this is a kind of helpful picture because we've already been on the road we've been going for a few years now and obviously um, we've got quite a history behind us as uh, jazz church leading to um, who we are today as jazz community church and um, for us there's all that history we've been moving we're on the road and perhaps we might need to think about adjusting our trajectory very slightly, maybe even by a couple of degrees or whatever, just so that we can um, we can head in that new fruitful um, direction which God is leading us to. So a number of years ago now, we um, we set uh, and defined a few values together. It was quite a few of them actually. So things like creativity, excellence, vitality, innovation collaboration, benevolence, authenticity and diversity. And we said that uh, these were things that we wanted to value and encourage in what we were doing. They were things that were important to us. Then later on we kind of honed these down a little bit um, and as the, the vision for a church community, uh, a group of people improvising life and following Jesus together, as that emerged, we, we honed these values down to, to four. Uh, firstly, vulnerable authenticity, a way of being with one another, being open and honest and all those things. We talked about radical hospitality, a way of relating to one another and to uh, the wider world. 
We talked about intentional collaboration, working with each other and with others as a way for us to achieve our mission and self-giving benevolence, modelled on Jesus, of course, and a way of serving. So all of these, I think, give a flavour of who we are and what we are all about. Most recently, we've looked at um, four key practices uh, which shape our communal life together. So we've talked about um, sharing improvised music, heartwarming food, uh, real life stories and deep conversation. And all of this is kind of centred around our, our tagline, which I've already mentioned improvising life and following Jesus. So every time we gather together, I've always got that in the forefront of my mind. After we've gathered and as we go away, are we better equipped to improvise life by following Jesus? So in this new series, I want to speak into some of those things, uh, relate them to what we're doing as a church right now, and to have a think about what we might do in the coming uh, weeks and months. So rather than the sort of nice kind of catchy phrases and, and, and interesting words that we've used so far, I want to try um, in this more extended kind of format to go a little bit deeper, to unpick some of the, of the understanding and the convictions behind uh, some of those things, and also to think about what is our specific offering as a church within a city like Birmingham, where there's so many churches already doing um, many different things, lots of wonderful things? What is unique about Jazz Community Church? What can we offer? So today I want to have a think about this idea of spirit beyond words. Now, I'm a, a musician, uh, but I'm also a, a sort of uh, have a bit of an interest uh, in art. And I wouldn't say I was in any way an art uh, critic or anything like that. Um, but a couple of artists have really kind of grabbed my attention. And one of my favourite artists is a woman called Melissa McCracken. And uh, if you're if you're on the if you're listening on the computer, you might want to open up a new tab and just search for her on Google. Find her website and have a look at some of her work. It's really interesting stuff. So it's Melissa McCracken, M C C R A K E N. I just really love some of her work, her paintings in particular. Um, there's something about they're kind of conceptual pieces, so they're not um, they're not based on kind of real life uh, things that you might see when you go out and about or in the home. They're they're sort of this amazing mixture of of colour and uh, texture. For me, there's just real beauty in her work. Uh, the way that they're sort of random, but yet not random so there's there's something there's something there uh, and for me as i as i look at some of these uh, pieces it's like taking a a long cool cold drink on a hot day there's something about this sort of um ah moment you know when you just take that drink and it and and it's just what you need for me they kind of speak to the soul there's something deeper uh, going on Interestingly, with uh, Melissa, there's something quite unique, actually, about her um, art. 
she is uh, she's got a particular condition um, called synesthesia, which uh, affects people in different ways. But for her, means that when she hears um, music, when she listens to music, she actually um, she actually sees that in in her mind. So um, her brain is actually bringing uh, colour and form to what she is hearing. So actually all of her work, and um, there's one in particular, a piece that I like, um, called X Factor, E-X-F-A-C-T-O-R, if you're having a look on her website, um, that's based on a song. And most of her pieces are based on some sort of piece of music um, that she's bringing colour and texture to. So when I first discovered um, her work, uh, I was completely blown away. And I think that um, for many people, music and art more broadly, perhaps, uh, speaks in a way that language can't. There's a depth to it which kind of penetrates beyond our conscious brain, if you like, which is the bit of our brain that runs on language and cognitive thinking. It, it goes deeper than that, maybe into what we might call our subconscious or something that, that's, that's deeper, that's more about kind of how we feel and those types of things. Interestingly, uh, we now know from studies of the brain uh, that the part of the brain that relates to language and consciousness is uh, the bit that evolves later uh, and is actually quite small compared to the rest of the brain. But music and art brings everything to life. So on, on, on brain uh, scans, brain imaging, we see that music um, brings life across the whole of the brain. In the um, fascinating narrative that I read from Exodus, Moses encounters God, perhaps in a way that's more direct than other places that are recorded in the Hebrew Bible. So God reminds Moses that the ground on which he walks is holy. And at the end of the passage, when Moses asks for God's name, the word in which to sort of encapsulate who and what God is, God says, I am who I am. So Moses has this experience, this encounter. And understandably, he wants to know the name of this thing that he has encountered. He wants some language to go and tell others. And the answer is... Well, God is who God is. Language fails. There is no word or series of words that can encapsulate that experience that Moses has had or um, that person who Moses has encountered. Language, of course, is a wonderful thing, a beautiful tool, a way of communicating. But we must always remember that words are metaphors. So any word is just a kind of series of sounds, if you like, that you make with your mouth. And it's only any use because we have an agreed understanding of what a particular word means. So I'm sitting here at my, my desk and um, I would say that uh, the desk is brown in colours. 
made of wood um, and I'm sure if you were here as well with me and I said what colour is this desk you would say well it's it's brown and and that's because we both have agreed that um, that the the sound brown if you like that that the, the sound that I make with my mouth there represents this sort of colour that my desk is but of course that sound is representing something else it's a metaphor for something else so it introduces like an extra layer and of course this is it becomes quite difficult when we're talking not about simple ideas but complex ideas or theories and perhaps translating that across um, different languages um, we can run into problems people have different understandings of words and what's happening is we're talking about stuff and particularly experience not necessarily experiencing the stuff itself Another reading, this time um, again from the Hebrew Bible, this time even further back uh, in the book of Genesis. So chapter 11, reading the first nine verses. This is about the, the Tower of Babel. Now the whole world had one language and a common speech. As people moved eastward, they found a plain in Shinar and settled there. They said to each other, Come, let's make bricks and bake them thoroughly. They used brick instead of so stone and tar for mortar. Then they said, Come, let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens so that we may make a name for ourselves. Otherwise, we will be scattered over the face of the whole earth. But the Lord came down to see the city and the tower the people were building. The Lord said, if as one people speaking the same language they have begun to do this, then nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them. Come, let us go down and confuse their language so they will not understand each other. So the Lord scattered them from there over all the earth and they stopped building the city. That is why it was called Babel, because there the Lord confused the language of the whole world. From there, the Lord scattered them over the face of the whole earth. So in this um, story, the people have discovered a new technology. In this case, it's the brick, and they've decided that they can build their way to the heavens. Now, there's much we could say about this passage. It's a fascinating passage, as, in, uh, as is the entire um, of the Bible. Uh, but today, I want to focus on uh, God's uh, kind of response to what they've been trying to do. Because what he does is he, um, God restricts their ability to build to the heavens. And the way that God does this is the introduction of different languages. And what this does is it causes uh, division. It causes issues in communication. And I think we would understand that today because actually it's not just different languages that cause uh, problems. But sometimes we talk about the relationship between the UK and um, the USA as um, being two countries divided by a common language. If we look at um, church history with our creeds, our liturgies, 
our lyrics and everything else, I think we've almost idolised language and made it into an absolute. So it's not a metaphor, it, it is an absolute. So the people who've been excluded from the church over the years have, have been excluded because they use different words, perhaps, to describe their experience, division due to language. I think in many ways, um, art and music, in the way that it goes deeper than language, actually has an ability to heal this divide to bring unity. People often talk about music as a common language, don't they? It might sound like I'm being negative about language and I'm not trying to be at all. I'm simply saying that we need to understand the limits of it, to celebrate the way which music and other artistic expressions can speak to a deeper level of consciousness and experience. The way in which music and art can heal and reconcile rather than divide. I'm sure many of you have had the experience of music speaking to you when you were in a time of need. A resonant emotion or simply an expression of where you're at. Another passage, this time from the New Testament and the book of Acts, reading from the beginning of chapter 2. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the violent blowing of wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now, there were staying in Jerusalem God-fearing Jews from every, every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment, because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, Aren't all of these who are speaking Galileans, then how is it that each of us hears them in our native language? Parthians, Medes and Lamorites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism. Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they ask one another, what does this mean? Many people have commented um, on the way that this passage, in a sense, uh, mirrors or sort of responds to the passage that I read from Genesis in the Tower of Babel. At Babel, people are scattered Whereas here on Pentecost, people come together in one place. That's verse 2. At Babel, the different languages confuses and divides people. At Pentecost, the Spirit brings people together and brings understanding and unity. I think in the way uh, that music kind of penetrates deeper into who we are, 
I believe that it's it's a common way for the Spirit to work in our lives today, bringing that transformation and unity we saw on the first Pentecost day. A more direct experience, if you like, of God that doesn't need to be explained or articulated. It simply needs to be experienced. God is there to be encountered and to be loved, not just to be talked about or described. And this, I believe, is the work of the Spirit. In recent times, a prayer practice that I've really appreciated is simply sitting in silence, recognising my thoughts as they come and then setting them aside. So I can sort of peel away these layers of experience and the things, my, my thoughts and emotions that sort of get in the way of experiencing what is truly there beneath all these layers of language and understanding that I place on top of pure experience and the experience, therefore, of the presence of God. At Jazz Community Church, we are part of um, what's broadly called the Protestant Church, although it includes um, many, many different denominations and streams and traditions. Uh, But the Protestant Church has had an interesting relationship with art and music over the years. There's been much um, beauty uh, in the music that's been created and the art that's been created. Uh, But fairly soon after uh, the beginning of of the Protestant movement, the Protestant Reformation, back in the 16th century, there was a movement called the Iconoclastic Movement. These were Christian people who believed that things like statues and and icons uh, should be destroyed because they were trying to um, to represent God in some way. So churches were ransacked and and um, there were riots that took place and statues were torn down, icons were destroyed, and uh, there was uh, worship services that were held and kind of were meant to be the purest possible form of worship. But interestingly, they didn't use music so it's like art and music were seen as idols and they were left simply reciting simple words about god this is of course less common today but i think something that is quite common in in many churches is that we have this obsession with with lyrics so um instrumental music for example is 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 viewed with suspicion. It's like, well, what is, what's the meaning here? What is it that we're trying to communicate that people receive and we don't want them to get the wrong idea and, and, and simply experience the music? Is it something that we would approve of? And actually, I think this is where the pinch comes because language means control. If in church we do, as I've been suggesting, we allow people through music and other forms of art to experience something, to experience God directly, then we don't know what that's going to do to them. They might end up in a place that we didn't intend, saying words that actually we or I or somebody else doesn't think is right. Now, I think if someone has met with the risen Christ 
and has been transformed, then all I've got to say is, Alleluia. I'm in. Even if someone starts using different language and starts doing things in a slightly different way, I don't mind. And for me, I think at Jazz Community Church, we're a church who is willing to allow that space and to sacrifice the outcome. So what does this mean for us in practice? Well, every single week as we gather to worship, we have a time of improvised instrumental music. So we don't we don't set it up to say this is what this means and this is what you have to come to an understanding of. We sacrifice that control and we pray that God's spirit would move. And then people simply sit and we see what happens. And someone might just go away feeling different. They might not be able to explain it. But for me, that's great. And as I talk to people who have um, visited us uh, and perhaps who have experienced um, our gathering together, it's often that part of our gathering that has been the most transformational, the bit that they've really experienced something new. And this is also where uh, the jazz comes in as well, because in jazz music we get a broad uh, spectrum of tonality and texture. We have complex harmony as well as simple harmony. We have um, complex rhythms as well as simple rhythms. And I think that actually represents the broad spectrum of human experience and emotion. Sometimes in church we just pretend everything is great and our music reflects that. So we have a very simple, major kind of tonality, easy on the ear, nice sounding, simple rhythm music. But is that what life is like? Of course it's not. Some jazz music, and I say this as a jazz musician, is frankly difficult to listen to. But even that can be quite a powerful experience when you do um, engage and set aside time to really listen. So can we confront the deeper experiences of, of life and meet with God in that place beyond language so that we might see transformation? I think that we can. So what else might this look like? Well, we've talked about potentially having a uh, some listening evenings, gathering in people's homes, listening to an album of music and then reflecting together on what um, God is doing in our, li in our lives, what our, our experience of the listening to the music uh, might help in our reflections. We've had some suggestions recently and one suggestion um, is around having an evening where we might be able to expand the improvised uh, music part of our gathering and, and extend it out over a whole evening and, and get in some, some comfy uh, chairs and, and beanbags perhaps and just have an evening of soaking in God's presence and um, listening to the music and allowing God to work through that. I think it's a great idea and, and an extension of what we're already doing in the services. 
I think, um, and I'm really pleased that we have made it part of our DNA to be honest and open and vulnerable with one another, um, saying and sharing particularly the difficulties of life that we all face. But of course, there is more to do. So to um, draw things to a close, uh, Spirit Beyond Words. On her website, Melissa McCracken, the artist I mentioned at the beginning, um, has got a, a mission statement and she talks about uh, incorporating elements of this condition that she's got to create a visualisation of music. And her hope is to transcend traditional interpretations of experience and to reimagine the familiar that she says is intended to feel elusive as she invites the viewer into uh, um, envision the potential of each piece. How would I put it? Well, for me, this is about encountering God as we gather together and being transformed, bringing about the reconciliation and the unity that we've seen as the work of the Spirit. So at Jazz Community Church, we are a church who celebrates the way in which God's Spirit is at work through music and, and actually all of the arts, and the encounter that takes place, which is deeper than language. We are a church who wants to facilitate this, allowing musical and artistic expression so that people might meet with the risen Christ, even if they then start to use different language. We are a church who recognises the power, but also the divisiveness of language. And we believe that it is the spirit who brings unity. We are a church who wants to see this transformation so we might better improvise life by following Jesus every day. So I hope you have a great uh, week or a great day and uh, I look forward to um, you joining me again for future episodes of this little podcast where we're exploring the vision of Jazz Community Church. If you want to find out more, then do uh, visit our website www.jazzcommunity.church or have a look on Facebook, search for Jazz Community Church on there uh, to see what's going on. And we'd love to see you on a Sunday afternoon at 4pm in Kings Heath in Birmingham, uh, the church on Cambridge Road. Uh, we'd love to see you there. There's often really good cake um, and drinks and um, interesting people to have a chat with and we gather of course um, to worship, to sing together, to pray together, to have that time of improvised music, sometimes to share food together um, and to share real life stories and deep conversation. So I look forward to uh, seeing you at some point or connecting with you in different ways. Speak to you next time.